Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. So everyone, welcome to The Real Deal. I am so excited to be here. Today I am in Lake Ann, Michigan, and I have the privilege of being in the office of Ken Riley. This feels like a place that is really special to me the moment I walked in, Ken. Before I begin, I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions, and you just answer whatever comes to your head. There is no right or wrong, and the fastest is better. But before I delve into these, people are used to this being at the start of The Real Deal. I just want to honor you. So thank you for um, having me again. I really feel honored to be here at Lake Ann Camp. But I just want you to know I asked God a few questions about you. And he wanted you to know. In my mind, he said, just make sure he knows what a beloved son he is and how proud I I am of him. And he told me that you have an extra special vision. And so it's almost like God wants you to know that you see in the natural, but you also see big possibilities, sure. and he loves that about you. So I just, I feel like I'm amongst greatness, and I want to thank you for letting me be here, because the minute I met you, I felt comfortable, I felt um, accepted, celebrated, and welcomed, and I think that that's what people want in general, but that's kingdom. So thank you for that. So Amen. I thank don't you. know you super, super well, Ken, but we have a lot of similarities. We have some Iowa background, we have some stories. I want to go there, but first, would you say rapid fire, are you coffee, tea? Coffee. Dog, cat, either, neither. More cat. Okay. Morning bird or night owl? Morning. Books or movies? Movies. Silence or music? Boy, it depends. Uh, Probably silence. Okay. Would you consider yourself leaned in or laid back? Leaned in. Okay. And would you say shower or bath? Shower. (laughs) Passenger or driver? Driver. Okay. And then are you an eat-at-home or dine-out person? My wife likes to eat in home. I like to go out. Oh, you like to go out. Okay. And then overarching, would you say introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Okay. So you know that this podcast is called The Real Deal. So mm-hmm. thank you for being on The Real Deal. I really appreciate it. And I don't pick people that I don't think are The Real Deal. Now, that's a judgment statement on my part. But I mean, people who are authentically who they are, like being who they are. So I'm glad you're here because I think you're The Real Deal. My dad always told us to be The Real Deal. And he said things like, he was an artist. He said things like, wood should be wooden. And leather shouldn't be fake leather. It should be leather. And pottery should look like pottery. And stone is wonderful. And don't you love stone when it gets wet? And I mean, he was just this, <laughs> the real McCoy, he called it. The genuine article. Not like these boots are made of leather, man-made uppers, you know, that kind of stuff. So what I loved is that he wanted things to be authentically what they were. And he told us to be the real deal. So now that you know it's called the real deal, and my dad was Richard Dean, Richard Dean R.D., Is there somebody in your life that you just felt like was comfortable in their own skin, they were the real deal, and you may have more than one, I know, but who stands out and how did it affect you, Ken? I worked with Kurt DeGraff. He's a counseling pastor in Des Moines, Iowa at Sailorville Church right now, and uh, he's my brother-in-law as well, but Mm. that was my my first ministry. Uh, We spent five years together in Silverdale, Washington, and uh, he was the real deal and is the real deal. He loves God. Uh, he built a church in, in Washington State from 35 to 1,000 people, uh, wow. 
has had ministries larger than that, and and now in sort of retirement time, he's uh, caring for people and as a counselor, and Wonderful. all day long is just uh, helping people through the challenges of life. And so I'd say, yeah, Kurt. Uh, Kurt, Kurt is, is the real deal. Yeah. Have you ever caught him in a circumstance that you thought would go one way, but he treated it another? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what is it about him that resonates with you as the real deal? <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind is we, we had this church. It was like an old Spanish church um, and uh, had all these little catacombs. And uh, we were both young. I mean, yeah. he was like seven years older than me, I think. And uh, so we had squirt guns, and we would chase each other around the church. <laughs> One day, we came into what used to be the foyer or the living room of a house, but it was kind of the foyer of the office. Yeah. And I came around one corner, he came around another, and a young couple had come into the office to, to meet with the pastors. They just moved to the town. I thought, we want to meet these pastors before we go to the church. And they were like, this is the kind of church I want to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of it being a bad thing, it was really a good yeah, thing. It ended right? up being a lot of fun, and, and those people actually are, are in the church still today like wow. 35 years later wow. so yeah so he can let his hair down so to speak oh uh, we had a well he doesn't have as much hair as i do but yeah <laughs> like michael would say there's no hair left but yeah. okay so kurt and how is it that so he's married to my sister your sister my older sister yeah. okay well that's exciting okay so we have a similarity we're both but we both went to the same church in ames iowa so you're and so my, when i was my like dad in was a professor school, at iowa state as and well our, my dad was a professor at iowa state we found this out last year I think. yeah i think yeah, it was last year all these common and do people that you know still live in iowa yeah, yeah, we do. My, in fact, my sister Kurt. lives right there, yeah. right, right, Kurt in Iowa, but none of the rest of us. There's five kids, and we're all in a different state. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, I want you to tell me, first of all, some God sightings, some things you've seen in your life. It can be your own personal experience or at Lake Ann, but I remember... I'm here for a ladies' retreat, so I'm speaking to mm. women. But you will come before the people, and you'll just give kind of like what's going on at Lake Ann or whatever, and then sometimes receive an offering. And people just can kind of catch the vision and the dream when, when you're up there. But I literally asked you a couple of questions afterwards, and it was like ready to roll tape because <laughs> you just literally have so much of God's things going on and a history with God that I think is contagious. And, and in Revelation, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you see what he does in one life or in one organization, whatever it would be, it speaks to another. Whether it's one for one, doesn't matter. So I just think, I was sitting there going, i got to get this guy on the real deal. Because at the beginning of the real deal, it says like real people, real, uh, real stories, and a real God. So I want you just to unpack something that stands out to you. It could be from Lake Ann or your own history of when you knew God was real and he moved in some particular way. Is there anything that stands out right now? Boy, there's a hundred things that step up, uh, stand out in my mind. But uh, the first thing that came to my mind is um, I was a 14-year-old kid. Um, my folks had um, gotten saved two years before I was born. They grew oh. up in a religious background but didn't know the Lord. Yeah. And, and so they were fired up about God. And so I grew up in a home uh, where mom and dad uh, really had a value of, of God things and brought us to church. So I got saved at five. But it was at um, age 14 in Iowa I went to camp. And interesting enough, I'm a camp director. I only went to camp once, and it was county fair week, so I left on Thursday. I didn't even <laughs> stay the whole week. Um, but it was Wednesday night at that camp, and it wasn't in chapel. It wasn't with a counselor. Uh, there was a group from Cedarville University, and they were playing guitars and singing Kumbaya and yeah. all the old songs that we used to sing around a fire. And it was like God spoke into my heart, I want you to serve me with your life. And it was 
it was like um, the most random thought. I'd never even yeah, yeah, yeah. considered that. And, uh, and, uh, and I was like, what? And it was like, he spoke again. I want you to serve me with your life. So um, in that camp, you, my counselor just showed up at bedtime and wasn't with us all day long yeah. like we are here at Lake Ann. And so I never told anybody at church at, at camp. I went home the next Sunday and I told my youth pastor, I said, God's called me to the ministry. And his advice to me was, I think he looked at me as a 14-year-old kid yeah. that didn't like to speak in Sunday yeah. school yeah. and hated it when they called on me to read, to read scripture yeah. and things like that. And he was like, you know, Ken, you go to camp and you make these decisions. Uh, and uh, why don't you wait until God confirms it before you tell anybody? Now, I don't know if that was good advice or bad advice, but I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And so I waited, and that fall, um, they were doing a missions conference at the church, and the pastor, Dwayne Brown, uh, spoke the first night on Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, yep. and proclaim liberty to the captives. Captive. That's and, part of my message this weekend, by the way. I, almost I got some chills. I got chills here, too. God bumps. Okay, that's another thing around here. I get goosebumps all the time. Yep, but, yep, yep. But um, anyway, I couldn't wait till the end of that service because I was like, that's me. Yeah. That is me. That's yep. what God's called yep. me to do. So as a 14-year-old kid, uh, I walked the aisle and I told my church, um, God's calling me to the ministry. Yep. And I think at the time I was probably the most unlikely kid mm-hmm. you would have ever mm-hmm. thought. I mean, it was terrifying for me to stand in front of a group. Yeah. And, and yet I thought, okay, God's called me to the ministry. i got to learn how to speak. I mean, I signed up for um, the freshman creed and FFA. Okay. You know, I believe in the future of firemen, the faith board, right, out of right, words, right, but right. it be, you know. And, and I, I did it in a contest. I mean, we had speech teachers in the little school that I went to. <laughs> And they were they were big into speech, and so I got, got into speech contests. And um, when I uh, graduated from high school, I'd won a national speech contest, uh, second place. Uh, but um, anyway, um, that's God preparing in advance. The things, yeah, and it was, it was like God saying, "I I can yeah. take." You know, I always say the greatest ability that we have is our availability. Mm-hmm. And when you make yourself available to God, he'll do immeasurably more than what you'll ever think. And, I mean, I can look back. I mean, there's a lot of times in the ministry when you just like, I don't know if I can keep going. Um, And you got to go back to, no, I have a calling. Uh, This is is my purpose in life. And, uh, boy, it's been been quite a ride. In fact, I'll use the word ridiculous. God's blessed me in ridiculous ways. Give me just Um, one example. Because I think sometimes people don't understand the lavish love of God or that Ephesians 3.20 thing that he does. We might have a thought, but he does exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we could ask. That's our prayer life or imagine that's our dream life. And he goes, well, I'll blow that out of the water for you. And I'm not just talking about like fancy homes, big cars, although he blesses. I mean, we're going to be on streets of gold and the gates are one huge pearl. So (laughs) he's a lavish God. But like what was one thing that kind of blew you out of the water? Like you thought, am I really standing in my own life? Am I yeah, living this? again, so many things. But um, I counseled here at Lake Ann in 1978. And uh, actually, the director of Lake Ann came to my little, small college and said, if you're training for the ministry and you think that the head knowledge is going to be enough, you're not going to be prepared for ministry. You need hands-on training. Mm-hmm. And if you want hands-on training, we've got an opportunity for you in the north woods of Michigan. So I came here. Uh, in 1978, and uh, for the first time, I saw God use my life to make a difference in mm. my campers' lives. And I got letters from them throughout yeah. the years just yeah. say, 
saying, here's the things that have changed. And, you know, and I knew yeah. that God had, had um, used this camp to use me as a change agent in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. And so I pastored in Washington State. There was a camp that they, they had, but nobody went to it. And I was like, okay, this is changing. Everybody's going. Yeah. Got the entire youth group fired up to go to camp. And... Um, uh, dropped him off on Monday, came back on Saturday, pulled the bus in. They all gathered around. Like, Pastor Ken, this is the greatest week of our life. Tara had five boyfriends this week. She was like the captain of the cheerleading squad. She's a gorgeous girl. Um, and uh, we skipped out at night. And we did pranks in all the other yeah. cabins. And I was like, so do you guys have chapel? And like, uh, yeah, but, and they didn't, not, there was nothing, no impact. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I, I just told uh, the other pastor, I'm not, I'm not going to go back there. And he says, well, rather than not going back there, why don't you teach them some of the things that you've learned? And so I taught them some of the things that I'd learned at Lake Ann. And, um, but I was there for almost six years, so five, six summers. And uh, in the fifth and sixth summers, the kids in my youth group would come back and say, Pastor Ken, we, we learned this from the chapel speakers. Why didn't you ever tell us about this? And I was like, we've been studying that for months. Right. You know, but there was something about camp that took what I had taught and took it to the next level. And they made decisions and determinations that changed their life. Um, some of them come back and said, God's calling me to the ministry. Uh, God's calling me to be in missions. And missions. And those kids, 35 years later, are still in ministry today. Yeah. yeah. And so God fired me up about that. So then uh, I got the call to come to Lake Ann. Uh, actually, the director wanted me to train into his role as the executive director. He wanted me to come as a program director. Um, the board was like, there's people in Michigan that want this job. Why do we have to go all the way to, to Washington? Yeah. And so the board chairman called me in uh, December of 85 and said, Ken, if you come to Lake Ann, what will you do for Lake Ann? And I said, well, tell me what's happening in your high school ministry. And he said, well, we had 750 junior campers, fourth through sixth graders, and we had about 100 high schoolers. And then he went on talking about this great junior camp that they had. And I told him, I says, you know, um, I think that high schoolers are on the 10-yard line of their life. And if somebody doesn't challenge them across the goal line, they may never get there. And I said, that's what camp does so well. And so I said, if you you call me to come to Lake Ann, I will pray in five years that we have 500 high schoolers. So I got the call. We moved here on February 24th of 86. The first summer, it went from 100 campers to 68. It went backwards. Yep. The next year, uh, we hit 155. Yeah. And I went to the board in October, board meeting. I was like, hey, we went from 68 to 155. Our goal is to have 500. And one of the board members said, you know, Ken, you're going to kill this camp if you keep talking about high school campers. High schoolers don't go to camp. Mm. And we had 850 junior campers. We're a junior camp. And my heart just sunk. I was like, how do I respond to this uh, this pastor? And uh, I just prayed quickly, God, give me give me the words Lord. to say. And what I told him was, I said, you know, we've had, we had more juniors this year than we had last year, so we haven't killed it yet. Give me five years. And if you don't see the hand of God in this, then uh, t- one of two things will happen. Maybe God will move me somewhere else uh, so I could fulfill the calling. Or, number two, God will bless us with 500 campers. Well, God moved him to Kansas, okay. and and um, the next year we had 230-some yep. campers, and it, it actually took us eight years to get yep. to 500, but uh, this year we had 1,742 campers that came from 27 different states and different countries as yep. well, and it's extraordinary. Yeah. It's absolutely extraordinary, and I tell you what, so so like 53% <laughs> of our campers now are high schoolers. High schoolers. I was just going to say. Which it's is a, very unusual in yeah. the camping world. Yep. I love your analogy of the 10-yard line 
because people think that's the end or something. No, that's going to catapult into the next spot. That's interesting that what I felt like God said is that you see a vision, but you, you see beyond it. So that really fits with what he was saying about you, which is way, way cool. So, okay. So when I looked on the website too, you have the number of staff and counselors that some people have as campers, right? <laughs> our, I mean, our it was summer a staff is somewhere between 160 and 180 staff members. I saw all that sea of blue with Lake Ann t-shirts. <laughs> and I was like, that is, and then I read the caption and that's not the campers. That was the staff people to be in charge of the campers. That's crazy good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really yeah, good. We're blessed. Yeah. So good. Okay. So I know that God called you when you were 14. And you heard him. I think that's interesting because when I wrote He Speaks, it's to basically tell people God still speaks to people. He yeah. speaks to people. He speaks in his word, but he can also speak to you personally. And he spoke yeah. to you. He and did. you just followed his voice and you kept doing it. And here we are, yep. which is really, really cool. Okay, I, I want to know um, in your own personal life, not related to Lake Anne, although they're so enmeshed, it's hard to know. How have you seen the hand of God move, or have you ever had something that some people would consider a failure, but you knew it was when God actually did something big in you and through you, or a really hard thing, maybe a trial? I don't know what I'm asking. I just know that yeah, the, it's a mixed bag. The first thing that that uh, I thought of, uh, the transition of um, f- from a program director to executive director happened over a six-year period of time. Okay. And... Um, the director before me was a fabulous man, uh, and um, but we were very different. I mean, okay. he was very detail oriented, yep. and I'm more big visionary picture, and global, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw things that needed to happen that he was nervous about, and probably had more fears about those being accomplished and things. And so um, it really got to a point where I I actually had a, a mental breakdown mm. uh, during about three years into it. Okay. And, um, in fact, um, I was, uh, I was really a basket. I mean, I re- literally went to the hospital to check myself in yeah. and the guy told me, he says, look, you're fine. You just need a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how was it manifesting? Like literally couldn't think through things. I got to the point where on- I, I second guessed every decision okay. that I made, even to the point where I was afraid to drive. Got it. Like what if yep. I, what if I did something stupid yep. and somebody yep. got hurt? You know, I just, I mean, it was you know, to be doing what I was doing and going through that was just excruciating. Margie, my wife, was just a fabulous. I mean, she did the driving for a period of time. Yep. And, and uh, another camp director from uh, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, said, hey, I got a cabin if you ever want to get away. So we actually went there. Mm. And uh, I wanted to run in, in, in the greatest possible way. And the counselor that I worked with told me, he says, can you run now and you'll run for the rest of your life. Uh, there was another pastor on the board. Um, he went to the passage in, for the Lord's Supper, and it said um, in in First Corinthians eleven, there must needs be divisions among you, so that the man of God uh, may be um, what's it uh, like perfected. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of the idea of the text. And what he was saying is, Ken, don't run from the hard decisions. When you disagree with him, do it with respect and honor. Uh, but let the board know what you think. And this is and, when there was the phasing period. Yeah, the, 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 we're, the we're, passing of we the were baton period. In and out. Okay, got it. And um, and so I I kept swinging uh, gracefully, and I loved the man, and I yeah. and I had tremendous respect for him. Oh, but of I was, course. But I was concerned that if we didn't keep, uh, we were growing at that point in time. Yeah. You know, and and if we didn't keep on the pathway, we would stall the growth, and I just, I didn't want to stall the growth. Yeah. But I wanted to be respectful to right. him. Sure. 
Sure. I think what really happened was uh, my dad was high. I mean, the, he was an authority figure in our home. Okay. And this uh, previous director, they called him Dad Brock. And so it was like another dad in my life. Yeah. And I couldn't I couldn't disagree with my dad. Yeah, and you, you didn't know? want to dishonor him and as I, a father exactly. figure. Exactly. Mm, makes and, sense, Ken. And what I had to do was grow up. And I had to say, no, God's called me here. He's given me this vision, and I need to... I need to let my voice be heard, but do it in a, in a respectful way. And, uh, you know, God led me through that period of time. And I'm so grateful for that period of time. I would never want anybody to go through it. And I hated going right. through it. But the lessons that I learned, you know, um, the one thing that the counselor said, lean into the pain. Yep. He says, you've been trying to avoid the pain. And the more you try to avoid it, the more you escalate. Yep. And in fact, he said, if you so get up wise. in the middle of, of the night and you are you can't sleep, he says, that's adrenaline. So he says, do you have an exercise bike? And I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, get out and get out of bed, climb on the exercise bike, go until you can't go anymore, and don't take a shower. When you're wet and exhausted, go back to bed and go to sleep, mm. and then get up in the morning and do it again. Mm. And um, and uh, that's what happened. I, wow. I let, I, he said the other thing is when you lean into the pain and you feel the, you let yourself feel the full brunt of it, yeah. that's when you'll realize that God is bigger than the pain that you're experiencing. Yeah. And I, I still remember, this was like in April and May, and I thought, man, staff training is coming in June. I'm not going to be able to do it. And every day of staff training, I was able to be there. I was yep. able to do my job. Yep. It was excruciating, but I, I lived through it. You know what? At that it's time, we... Breakthrough of it. You're yeah. Literally going through. You know what was really encouraging me at that, that, that phrase? Seeing old people. I was like, how did they ever do it? I mean, these people are 70s and yep. 80s, and they're still alive. Yep. And I'm trying to figure out how to get through the next day. Yeah. And you know what? God rebuilt wow. me through that period of time. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, in, in my role, there's plenty of challenges, you know. Mm -hmm. And I hit one of those challenges, and I start feeling those feelings of <laughs> yeah, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I've been here before. I know yep. what this is like. So good. And and I just lean into the Lord. and so yeah. That is so I'm so <laughs> glad I asked. I had no idea. Wouldn't have known that that even existed in your life. But I think that is part of the story of the greatness of God is to get us through. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't always bring us around things. He brings us through things. And it also helps you to realize it's about him. Amen. It's not about you. Amen. I mean, in fact, I he think. He uses it, us. Yeah. And I'm still that 14-year-old kid that's, you know, that yep. can I really do this? Yep. And yet God over and over again does exceedingly more. I mean, yep. I've got just crazy stories yeah. of God's blessing. Yeah. And, Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel in a way, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right, back to the real deal. Oh, gosh, I love it. Okay, so I am glad I asked that. And I think on the other side of the pain, leaning into the pain is an important thing. We do want to run from it. We often want to run from it. But it is there that we meet God and can give him something in our intimacy with him that we'll never need later because we'll be face-to-face -face and we won't be having those experiences, you know. So you know, it's an important offering. Yeah, and another thing, so I went through another time of growth uh, Henry Cloud spoke in my church. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was promoting his new book. That was back in probably 2006 or yep, so. Yep. It was called Integrity. And I was like, well, hey, I can get that book because right. I'm not sleeping with anybody else's wife. Right, I'm, right, I right. don't cheat. I don't lie. Yep. I'm a person of integrity. Well, he defines integrity as the courage that meets the demands of reality. Wow. And he says um, with that, you have to say the truth about your present reality. And when you do that, it puts you at a crossroads. And he said that one one. Uh, crossroad might be I'm in the wrong place I'm doing the wrong thing I should just quit and yep. do something different or 
if I'm on the path and I'm avoiding something, I got to stop avoiding it. And I got to make the hard decision that I've been that I've been avoiding. Did you? Were you like? I think this guy's been reading my oh, diary to write oh, his it book. Was, it was excruciating. <laughs> it was like this is my life. It was excruciating because I couldn't. With my walk with God, I could not say I'm not a person of integrity. But when I define it like yeah. that, I could say I wasn't a person of integrity because mm-hmm. there were. Th- th- now here's how I avoided things. This is not the right time. You know, so this needs to be dealt with, but but I'm going to wait for the right time. And the right time never came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had to say, is okay. Is that scar little hair? I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> right, what, I, what I had to do was say, okay. Gone with the wind. Um, God, I've got to make these decisions that I've been avoiding. And you got to, you got to walk me through it. And I'm, I made some excruciating decisions. I mean, it, it, even in involved letting some staff members go sure. that were dearly loved by me and sure. the people, but they were not at the right place at the yep. right time yep. in the right seat on the bus. And, uh, boy, that was tough. But, uh, you know, 2008, we hit the recession. And I can tell you, had I not learned that lesson, we never would have. Those were tough years. Yeah. Uh, and 2008 to 2010, I wasn't even sure we could keep the doors open. Uh, but the lessons that I'd learned, you know, through that, you know, one of the things he said is reality is your friend. Yep. And you have to say the truth about your present yep. reality and realize avoiding it is not your friend. Right. It only, it'll only it only make things worse. Right. And uh, you know, I don't know how many times through the years that I've come to that juncture again, like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and, and I think it's important because sometimes people think a person of faith doesn't recognize reality. I think you recognize reality and know there's a greater kingdom reality on a whole other level. Do you know what I mean? Instead of like... Well, God, you know what I mean? It's it's not pie in the sky faith. It's actually, I'm actually knowing, knowing what this is, but I know the greater truth. I see you kind of as a Joshua and Caleb. They were sent out with all the spies. They didn't say, well, we didn't see an army. God's got us. They were like, well, we see them, but they're like grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers. Those right. are the ones that people felt really um, insignificant. But they said, no, but God, you can take them. This is so exciting because you're bigger. You know right. what I mean? They did have the reality view, but they had a supernatural view, too, of who God is. I, I just think that's exciting. Okay, so I do want to know when you said, I have way too many stories. Do you have a favorite that you share with people that has to do with, like, either the goodness of God, the provision of God? Um I'm going to tell you one thing I remember. The first time I came here, you could line up right outside the main building here at Lake Ann and like a little bus trolley car thing would come. And it's like, to me, it was like golf carts all connected. Do you still have that? <laughs> we do. And, and we're and actually getting one that's twice as big because it it's not so big enough anymore. It was so fun. I was like, am I at Disney World? And we all got in our little spots. Yep. And then the little train took us around. And what I remember is that visionary part of you. like Like a little kid that's like, show you what my daddy's going to do. My daddy's going to build a building out here. You know what my daddy's going to do? My daddy's going to give us the money for over here. And now, all these years later, I think I've been here maybe since 14, like eight years or whatever, I walk into the places that were in your heart and in your mind, and that trolley went by land, but now there's things there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I just think if I see that, you've got to be like, you look at that and you go, oh yeah, and God did this. And you look over here and you go, and God did that. And and like you said, it can be around a fire when there's a guitar. It doesn't have to be these big moments. So there's lots of them. And share some. Just share some of your, do you have favorites? Are they favorites you pull out? Well, there's so many stories that I, I could tell you. But um, uh, the one that comes to my mind is uh, one of our key contributors, his, grand, well, his father uh, actually mortgaged his farm and loaned the money to the churches to buy the property back in 1948. 
Really? Um, he had not been involved with the camp at all. And so, like, like uh, this would have been 1993, he pulls into the camp with a big uh, Bluebird motorhome. And, um, and he says, Ken, you know, people know that I have money. I just want you to know um, my money goes to a ministry uh, down in South America. So I want to see what my dad started, but I'm, I'm not giving. So don't, don't be asking me for money. Boy, uh, he just puts it out there, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was a black and white guy, and yeah. I loved him. I love yeah. him dearly. He's with the Lord now. But uh, so um, anyway, I show him around, and we had just built a ropes course. Uh, I got the bill, and it was in my pocket when he arrived. Mm. And the bill was for ten thousand dollars, and I had no money for it. It was a, it was a step of faith. I just felt like we need this, yep. and God God will provide. So anyway, I showed him around, showed him the ropes course because they were training on it. He says, Ken, I've been all over the world. This is, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He said, this mm. is really awesome. Um, so anyway, we got done with the tour. We sat outside a chapel. Normally I was leading singing back then, but yeah. I had somebody else to lead singing. So I'm sitting with him just outside a chapel, and they start taking an offering. And um, I thought, you know, okay, we're taking an offering back in those days, about $2,000 a summer, and we'd buy paddle boats and we'd yeah. buy canoes because we didn't charge enough to cover Kept those kinds cost. of expenses. Mm-hmm. So they were they were talking about raising money for some canoes. And I turned to him and I says, uh, Bill, do you like to wheel and deal? He said, do I like to wheel and deal? Of course <laughs> I like to wheel and deal. I said, well, I, I know you said don't ask you for money. But I said, let me show you this. I said, I got a bill here for $10,000. You like giving your money to Brazil, but I take an offering, and that offering just goes for projects here at the camp, and the campers are buying things that benefit themselves. Uh, How about you pay this bill, and for the next five years, I'll give all of my offerings to your project, and then instead of asking them to raise money for themselves, they're raising money for missions. And uh, there was one of my board members just happened to be there that day, and so he turned to him and says, well, can he do that? He said, well, he's the director. Why couldn't he? And he turned to his wife and he says, what do you think? She says, honey, I think this is one of the most beautiful places in all the world. <laughs> I love Lake Ann. Yeah. He, and he, so, he told the other lady that was with him, get me my checkbook. And he writes a check for $10,000. Yeah. And that was the beginning of millions of dollars yeah. that this family has yeah. given to this ministry. And it all started with a little question like, hey, do you like to wheel and deal? And, I, and that was God. I mean, I'm, yeah. not, oh, yeah. I'm not that Doesn't clever. Doesn't sound like your language all the time kind of thing. You're every right. day. No, yeah. but it was... But he, it it just knit our hearts together with yeah. that little that little question, yeah. and it was you know people tell me how do you not be proud when you see like yeah. thirty million dollars that's been raised in the last yeah. like twenty years and all these things happen. I said because God is this is about God. It's not about me. Yeah. I'm not this good. I yeah. couldn't do yeah. this on my own. It's God wanted to do something and He allowed me to be a part. He allows of it. you to be a part of it. Yeah. So later, in one of my talks, I will give whether it's here or not. I I literally believe that. The thing that I see is that like an ice skater performing out on the ice and they do their very best and they're trained and they do their skill set and they've practiced, they've done whatever. But when they when they do it, they get all these roses that are thrown out on the ice and somebody goes and scoops them all up. And while they're looking to see what their score is and waiting, they're usually kind of still panting a little bit, maybe having a drink of water or whatever. And they'll see their score and then they're handed all these roses while they're watching, right? And I feel like we're involved in it. People will say whatever. But then my thought God gave me was, 
you actually are part of this, but you go and you give the glory to me. You give all the roses. Look, look what we did, God. Look what we got to do together. Look at how you used me to do whatever it is. And people think it's so great, but we have to be involved in it. We're part of it, but right. it's him that does it. Right. So, but sometimes people get such false humility, like, well, I didn't do anything. Well, God had to use someone. Right. He got to use you. And you give, and you're in tune with his spirit, and you hear him say things, and things come out of your mouth that he's, do you like to wheel and deal? You know what I mean? Like, literally, the vessel is being used, which is so a surrendered posture. Yeah, and I tell that to my counselors. Uh, you know, they'll tell me about four of my campers came to know the Lord. Yeah. But it wasn't about me. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, no. It was, it was. about you because God Use used you. you and you made yourself available. And That's that don't, availability. Don't discredit yourself. Amen. That, I mean, I think one of the coolest stories in the Bible, here's... Here's um, Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. We yeah. ought to build a booth because yeah. if everybody sees, yeah. sees you, yeah. then they will know that you're God. And Christ said, no, I got another plan. Uh, I want you to go mm-hmm. and you be my disciple. Right. And, and, and you baptize it. people and yep. you, you teach them. That's like, like the dumbest. I mean, Peter had the best idea. Yep. Because if people couldn't see it from yep. a human standpoint, yep. and God says, no, my idea is I'm going to do you, it you, through you. Amen. And, and they so will see me through you. Yep. Yeah. And and then I think it's appropriate to say thank you, Lord. Right. For using me. Right. And and letting me be a part of right. your extraordinary plan here right. on this earth. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's such a partnership and it mm. yeah, so so good. Um okay, like where do I want to go next? Um So lots of provision. You've seen lots of provision. You've seen lots of salvations. Mm-hmm. You've seen uh Young kids at an age where this catapults them into the next spot in their life. Um, what do you see or what is your heart's vision for future things? Well, yeah, so you bring that up today. Um, we're in a transition. One of our key people is yeah. leaving. And um, I've known uh, for several years that it's going to come a time when I can't continue to do this. I'm, yep. I'll be 64 soon. Okay. And um, so, you know, at this point in time, uh, I think my next uh, big project is to transition. Even as Eldon uh, Brock transitioned with me, I need to yep. transition to the next mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And um, so trying to be a steward of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the phrases, uh, I had a friend, and, and he died in a canoeing accident back in 1980. Mm-hmm. But he, he taught me a little phrase that life is a stewardship, not an ownership. Mm. And if you think about that, you're, you're so bought good. with a price. That's right. Therefore, glorify God. Yeah. And if you're bought with a price, you don't own your life. What you do, that, like a, a steward... You watch Downton Abbey. A yeah. steward doesn't own anything, right. but they manage everything. So what I want to do is not have the ownership of my life, but say, God, you own my life. You can you yep. can make this transition quicker or sooner yep. than I want, but I I want to be a good steward of that. Um, and that's what that's what I'm trying to do right now is trying to figure out how do I steward um, the end of my tenure here in such a way that the camp could flourish. I think one of the things that uh, blessed Eldon, my predecessor, was he said I would come back and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, you know, and what I told him when when he retired, I said I feel like you built this huge foundation and the superstructure is very small. Well, we're just filling the super the right. superstructure on his foundation. Yeah, amen. Uh, and and what I would want is for Lake Ann to continue to grow. And to, mm-hmm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I tell people often. 
we're needed more today than yeah. we've ever been needed. The, the, the hurts that are in the teenagers' lives uh, right now, it's just extraordinary. Uh, to talk to a, a seventh grader who isn't sure if they're a boy or a girl, yep. Yep. Uh, they're, they're non-binary, yep. and, and that's just one of many of the issues that, that we're dealing with, and, and we're there, yep. and we're there in a substantive yep. way uh, for those gen- that generation, and I want to make sure that that can continue. Yeah. I, I believe sometimes we're you know, told to go vacate, go to vacation, go to get a retreat of some sort because when we're in some different location our mind and our spirits open to something i think that's why camp is so important anyway right you're in a different spot that god can speak to you teach you you see something in nature just whatever it is it you're open because you feel like you've taken yourself out of your school life your business you know your business life your normal mowing lawns as a kid to go do whatever it would be i believe that's part of it is that there's an expectancy that god is going to do something or at least i'm away whatever that is so that's huge and i my heart's cry would be that kids that get here something is like a rebar down 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 deep so that there is a sense of identity there is a sense of who they are in Christ there is a sense of just their own personal like who did God made them be that's a huge thing oh I think it's exciting so you don't know when the passing of the baton will happen you just are ready because God's given you that thought of stewardship well I think we're setting a date now oh yeah and it'll be soon okay. you know in the next in the next three years or so okay and um and uh, there's some well, my board member said, you know, Ken, you've trained 3,000 counselors mm-hmm. in in the 37 summers that yep. you've been here. Yep. Uh, one of those has got to be gifted by God. They mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. understand the vision, understand the heartbeat of this place, and be yeah. able to perpetuate it. And yeah. so, you know, I've, I've talked to two of those those individuals, yeah. and um, we'll see. I mean, yeah. we don't know the, the end yet. but uh, I think it's neat because, so Moses, you know, Joshua goes and takes over afterwards, Right. But for God to speak to you about who it is and for this person to be prepared by God that that'll meet. Right. That they really will. Both because God's they're both people are going to be praying and, and, and listening at the same time it'll it'll work out the way it's supposed to. Well and God was cool. God was training Joshua for yep. almost forty years yep. underneath Moses. Yep. And uh, I mean, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. Right. Joshua one one. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And um, you know, and I think Joshua was pretty nervous about it because three times in that first chapter is like, "Only be thou strong right. and courageous. Right. Only be thou strong and, and very, very courageous. courageous. Yeah. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For yeah. the Lord your God is with you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which shows that he had to have some things coming against him. For God to have to tell him that. Right. Joshua was one of my heroes. I yeah. I had three Joshuas until I realized they were all three girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, we won't name them Joshua. Yeah, no. that's so good. That's so good. Okay, so is there any burning thought that you have just to leave people with uh, in your personal life in Lake Ann, or just something that somebody might be going through? I believe that whether they listen to this in two years or five years or when it airs, I don't know exactly what part of the season six that'll come out but somebody's going to hear something that's going to stick with them is there anything that you would want to say to a listener sure my wife is not the upfront person um and um and yet she's extraordinary in her wisdom and in her perspective and uh, i've had great people that have worked for me here that it worked for the husband and it didn't work for the wife and then it didn't work uh, what I would say um, to the ladies that are out there 
your ministry is absolutely um, essential in your husband's life. In fact, I remember one day I came home just all fired up about something, and I was spouting off to my wife about all this and this and that, and and she just very calmly looked me in the eyes and she says, "Can you do? Do you think five years from now you'll feel as strongly about that as you do right now?" <laughs> and I literally dropped the discussion because it wasn't that important. So good. And and I'll I'll just tell you, um, she's my hero mm-hmm. uh, in this ministry. Um, she mm. she was there for my kids when I was traveling and. And doing the things that I needed to do. And she was also the one that said, I'd come home exhausted when I was a program director, right? In the middle of the afternoon, she said, you need to get down on the rug and you need to wrestle with your girls. And I was even as a guy like, well, guys don't wrestle yeah, with yeah, girls. Yeah. You know, no, no, your girls need need positive male touch. Mm-hmm. And you, you need, it, right. and I'm like, I just want to take a nap. And you're like, nope, you're a dad. You got you got to do your job and be a dad. dad. And I love my girls today. Mm. Uh, we've got six uh, great, you know, wonderful grandkids. And, nice. And, and that's a delight in, in our life. Uh, and uh, and my wife has been steady and um, and just been there for me. And, you know, they say behind every great man is, a, is an amazing woman. And, and, uh, and it's true. Uh, <laughs> you, um, you need the ladies in your life. I, I couldn't have done it. I mean, even this transition, you know. She's she's uh, the she's my rock, you mm. know. As we as we work through this, and uh, and I want to honor her for the commitment that, sure. that she's had. We've we've done forty one years of life together, and um, I was already pastor before we got married. So she's okay. been a, she's been in the ministry for forty one yep. years. Yep. And um, and um, I, I love her dearly, and, mm. and so grateful for her. That's so good. Um, That's so good. So forty one years married then. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you were already a pastor. That's so good. Yeah. And there's things that she signed up for and knew, and there's plenty she had no knowledge <laughs> of. You know what I'm saying? She grew up in, in Everdeen, South Dakota. In fact, she told me a few years ago, I never told you this, but you were my ticket out. You know, she says, I, I didn't want to live in the Dakotas, and I knew you wouldn't you wouldn't live there. Now my grandkids are there. so now we, Really? Yeah, yeah, in North Dakota, three of them. And so, um, but, um, but anyway, yeah, she, she went from being a college girl to a pastor's wife overnight and um and that was that was kind of traumatic uh, mm-hmm. for her because mm-hmm. everybody in the church loved me and mm-hmm. they couldn't wait to see her mm-hmm. and they'd never met her before so right. she was in south dakota getting ready for the for the uh, wedding and i was in washington state doing my thing yeah. you know and i'd been there as an intern the year before so everybody in the church knew me and and uh, she went through that transition with me, and yeah. we, we, we just have a wonderful life together. Oh, I love so it. good! Yeah. Well, it's a little bit like a first lady of sorts. You know what I mean? And yeah, there's absolutely. there's there's a lot of um, wonderful things, and there's a kind of an unfair microscope that people can be under, both pastor and pastor's wife. You know, that's not. I think it's actually fading a little bit. I believe God's really breaking down a spirit of religion and really going after people's hearts for intimacy, and so then people all know. Let's. Let's run through the church with squirt guns and let's let down our hair. You know, you know what I mean? Literally, let's be people because we're the people of God. You know what yeah. I mean? And and we are set apart, but we're not, we're peculiar people, it says in scripture, but we don't have to be something that everybody else gets to judge, which is mm-hmm. not fair, especially to a pastor's wife. But I have, that's a whole other subject. Okay. Would you feel comfortable just praying for whoever's listening? And then may I pray for you and I'll just close. Sure. Thanks. 
Heavenly Father, first of all, I just want to say I love you and I yeah. thank you for your love and care in my life. Uh, thank you for the privilege of uh, life, for the privilege of ministry. I thank you for my wife and my kids and my grandkids and mm-hmm. just um, even how you've used the ministry that I'm a part of uh, to impact them in, in powerful ways. And Father, I thank you for those that have been listening today. Uh, I can't... Uh, know all the things that are going on in their life, but I'm sure there's hurts, I'm sure there's pain, I'm sure there's uh, visions that they have, and I pray that you would empower them to accomplish the reason, the purpose uh, for which you've placed them on this earth, and I pray that uh, this time together would have been encouraging yeah. to them, and yeah. I pray this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God, I just thank you for this time together today. I thank you for what you're doing here at Lake Ann and in Ken's life. Can I touch your shoulder? Sure. So, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, that you would continue to fill him with joy unspeakable and full, for the joy of the Lord is his strength. And I thank you for who he is. I thank you for the mantle that he carries. I thank you for his wife and his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. You say that you will bless to the thousandth generation those who love and serve Mm -hmm. you. So we take you at your word, God. When you grant something, you expect us to take it for granted. So we just thank you for every one of your promises. They're yes and amen in Christ. And so we thank you, Lord. I pray you'd bless his body. I pray you'd bless his rest. I pray you'd bless his vision. I pray you'd bless his connections. I thank you, God, that you're making a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. I thank you for the mind of Christ that you've given Ken. I thank you that he makes wise decisions because he hears your voice and he has the Spirit of God living in him. So, God, I thank you that even during this time of transition that you will be going with him. You never leave him or forsake him, God, and I'm grateful. Just pray a blessing on him today. Thank you for who he is at Lake Ann and who he has been to be such a welcomer for me and for Michael. So bless him today, I ask in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I just thank you for every listener. Lord, I pray that each one would understand that um, not just Rachel, but you celebrate their significance and the genius of God in Mm -hmm. them. And so I thank you for what you're doing in the listeners' lives. I thank you that whatever it is that they face today, they don't face it alone, that you're a God that is with us, Emmanuel. We're really, really grateful. And I just want to close the way that my dad prayed at one of the last times he was on the podcast. Lord, we ask for all the people listening, We ask that you would help us to be the best we can be, Hmm. and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Okay, everybody, that's a wrap, so go be the real deal. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace.